This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best of new inventory with great warranties and great end of the year deals. Terrific pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee because they go over every vehicle. And a service department that backs it up for the life of your vehicle. Great pros there. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost worth and online at sunburymotors.com. Do we have a play-by-play call of the day today? No? Sounds like we've got Neil. Okay. Best half hour of the week. Neil Kulong, sir, welcome, and thank you for the text on Sunday. As always, it's great to be here, and um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you enjoyed Sunday a lot better than, than other Sundays that you, that you had before. That was uh, that was something else. Living close to living close to Iowa, um, you, you tend to come across the diehards and the faithful, and they they, they can get a little uh, obnoxious at times. And I didn't hear anything from them on Sunday. I, I haven't heard anything from them now either. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed what I saw. <laughs> so let's get to what the Steelers did on Sunday night against Las Vegas. What did you think of how everything played out together, offense, defense, and how they worked in unison to make that a win on Sunday night? No, it, it was um... – I, I think Tomlin said this the best. Uh, we saw improvements in all areas. You know, kind of the old Herm Edwards, we can build on this kind of, of perspective. It's true, but you know how big of an improvement it was. And this year, perhaps more than others, week three seems pretty late in the season already. Um, the fact that they're 2-1 and one obviously is... is really what matters but you can't bank on much coming from this team heading into the next week um, you're getting a historic level of production from T.J. Watt with all due respect to T.J. Watt there's no way you're going to continue that pace um, that, that just can't happen um, and, and they're almost relying on him as if he's the quarterback of the team and he's the one that needs to make plays uh, in order for the team to win now that that's not a, a sound strategy uh, over the course of you know 14 more games so they're going to need to figure out um, what exactly has happened along their offensive line their protection is a mess it, it seems like they're the polar opposite of where they were um, where they ended last season I should say mm-hmm. because this looks a lot like they did last year they're they're struggling tremendously to run the zone which is what saved them over the second half of last season. I, I, I'm, I can't quite figure out how they've regressed as badly as they have. Um, I will say, certainly the first two games, they played two excellent defensive teams. And you have a couple players on that third team that they played, and, and largely stifled, um, who, who are, are big-time NFL players. So you have to give credit to the competition. There, there is a, a, you know, a factor at work there that matters. 
Um, are you going to see that against the Houston Texans? I, I don't know. I hope for their sake that they won't. But they, they really need to step up and play a consistently impressive game. And I don't mean that to say that they need to impress me in any way, but they have to show for themselves that they are capable of putting whatever it is that they're feeling uh, in practices, in film room, leading into the game itself, uh, at work on the field. And now they're doing this with, you know, they, they lost a day due to, to, to travel problems. It's just kind right. of like, yeah. you're not catching a break here anymore. I mean, you've, you've got some pretty detrimental injuries that you're going to have to figure out. That's another part that uh, that should be mentioned here. Uh, as good as George Pickens is, as much as they're trying to involve Calvin Austin into this offense, uh, Deontay Johnson got 12, 13 targets a game for three straight years for a reason. Yeah. Uh, without him in there, you're, you're missing some things. So they're, they're trying to learn how to play a game uh, that they didn't practice to play. So it, it, there, there is some adjustment time that's going to come with that. I, I wonder at what point the other shoe is going to fall, though, because, you know, it, it, you know a, again, I think we had said this before, uh, the opposing quarterback they went against was, was – he was a disaster. I mean, he really just did not play a good game in any way – uh, pressure was able to get to him. You put these things together, and you're able to gut out a win that uh, was made a lot closer at the end than it probably should have. Um, lesser team probably next week, but they, they're, they've got a long way to go if they're going to compete uh, in, entering January. It, it, it's certainly not over now. Two and one isn't all that impressive. Yeah. Uh, so. Let's get to Jalen Warren for a moment. It just seems the offense is a little different when he's in there. I also thought he did a good job on blitz pickup, which is something you have to have a running back to. Um, uh, is it because Harris is more highly drafted? Is it because Harris had a really good rookie year? Why is Warren not getting more snaps? I think they they worked him in a bit more. You saw him earlier in the game. I might... I know, you know, I think we can go back and forth on how we want to define him being worked in. From one perspective, I would say if he's entering the game earlier, that's more indicative of a desire to get him involved. You can't estimate how many touches each guy is going to get. That's all going to be uh, situation-specific. The fact that they're putting him out uh, earlier in the series that they are, and he got carries and catches throughout the game, I think they are suggesting they, they're okay with this being – uh, a, a two-back type of system, but with their inability to block in zone, yet assistance that they can, as demonstrated by the fact that they continue to call it, um, there, there's not there's a disconnect there that I think is resulting in some obvious frustration. They're they're calling stuff that they're not able to run, which suggests they should be able to run it. They were confident in their ability to be able to run it. We're not seeing that at this point. I do think Warren is a, a, a noticeably better zone runner than, than Najee is. And I think um, what we've seen to this point, Harris's success has come more in duo and gap than, than it is in zone. And Warren, I think, does well with the zone. You, you still have to mix it up a little bit. Um, you're, you're not able to just say, well, we're going to run this when this guy's on the field. They all have to be able to do everything. Otherwise, every team knows exactly what you're doing. So, um, Warren is, I think, much better than you would have thought he would have been coming in. And I don't think Harris, well, we know Harris is not producing 
at the level that, that many thought that he would. I'm not overly surprised with that. I didn't think that Najee Harris was going to be LaDainian Tomlinson like a lot of people thought. Sure. I, I thought he you know, works up a little bit. He could be a good NFL running back. I don't think he's going to be a great one. Um, right now we're seeing a mediocre NFL running back, and Warren is working up to that point. So if we look at this more in total, what we're talking about here is two running backs who aren't performing particularly well in comparison to their peers because they're not. And they have an offensive line that uh, it really is not uh, doing their jobs up front at all. So you're not even getting a fair evaluation uh, of the running backs. The whole running game itself right now is on trial. And I, I think that's something they're really going to need to get in the lab and fix. And I feel like I've said this you know, each of the last, what, seven, eight seasons now. Right. Um, they, they're really not able to control the line of scrimmage. Um, and their pass protection isn't a whole lot better. So that, in, in my mind, that's clearly the issue. The running back, I think, we've, as we've seen, is going to be interchangeable. It's not worth diving down the rabbit hole of value, who's worth what, uh, until they give a reasonable opportunity for both running backs, any running back, uh, to have some success on a carry. We're not going to know who it is, and it's not going to matter because neither of them are going to do anything. So for, for me, it really has to start up front. Um, we'll, we'll probably get a better sense of who is uh, capable of taking over if such a thing is uh, being discussed. I highly doubt that it would for the same point that you made. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that you're going to bench the first-round guy, uh, even in his third season, of you know, generally kind of you know, blah uh, production. In comparison to his backup, he's not even dominant. So I, I don't think that happens now, but they, they've got to fix it up front more than anything else. And then there's T.J. Watt. You know, under the category of you either get better, you get worse, you never stay the same. Why? What are you seeing where he just looks better every week? Hands, hundred percent hands. Yep. Um, it, it's it, I just on a whim because I noticed that the I forget now off the top of my head if it was a sack or if it was just a pressure on Garoppolo, but uh, he came off of the, the offensive right side. And he, he looked like he had the, the tackle set up pretty well. He had a space to the inside. He could have gone outside. And Watt just has a – he has a knack of, of having the, the best timing possible before the lineman is both set with his arms extended, ready to engage. Watt's got his hands in some way knocking his leverage out. And he, he does a, a brilliant job of this. And that was one thing you noticed at, like, the beginning of his career – he wasn't there yet. He couldn't right. quite do that. He could almost equate it to like a drummer. When you're playing a double bass along with, you know, hitting the hi-hat along with the snare, it takes a lot to get four body parts in, in unison working together for one common goal. You could have them do whatever, you know, they're doing, but when they're in sync with one another, you become much more versatile. That's what Watt has done. He's really using both of his hands together, and his feet are following along with what they need to, and he's so quick. Uh, he, he, I, I forget the tackle's name. Whoever it was couldn't even respond to the first move that Watt had, and right. Watt was already swimming around him. And it, it wasn't brute force. It wasn't sheer athleticism. It was the technique. It was what he did with his hands to not allow, uh, it, you know, to be blunt, not allow himself to be blocked. I know that sounds simple, but you can't even put him off his game. He's shaving a half second off of that. That makes it even harder for the quarterback to get rid of the ball. I, I think it was a sack. It was definitely a pressure, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But Watt is adding more and more to that. 
it's harder to just you, you, tackles are not getting their bodies on him. They put two guys out there, and he's sifting between the two of them like they're not even there. And so much of that is just the the, the veteran savvy that he's built up. You know, and it's still weird to me that, that he's you know he's a pretty deep veteran player. He's been around for a while. It really doesn't feel like it. But you see him, he's as crafty as, as his, his uh, oldest brother is. You know, he's got all the moves now, and that's making him even harder to defend. The athleticism is going to go the older that you get. The, the craft, the technique has to take over at that point, and that's where he is. And we're looking at, you know, a potential pretty historic run here. You don't see a whole lot of guys get six sacks mm-hmm. in three games no. um, in, in the situations the Steelers have been in. You know, one blowout, two reasonably close games. Uh, we're about 12 minutes in on this, and I have not even brought up Kenny Pickett yet, so I'm going to do it here. He did throw two touchdown passes in the game. You look, you look back at last year's draft, you're going to ask, is he one of the top 32 players? No, he's not. In reality, he's probably a second or third round pick, but he's a quarterback, so he ends up being a first round pick. Where, where is he now in his development? I mean, is he seeing the field better? Is he delivering it better? Is he doing things that are showing a progression? Um, I think he knows he needs to get his butt out of the pocket. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that's a good thing or not. That's my concern. I don't know if you can develop a quarterback like that. Um, it, we're, we're seeing him throw on the move a lot. And Collinsworth pointed this out, and everybody thinks that it's great, these, these you know acrobatic highlight types of throws. That's not helping you become an NFL quarterback because when you're at your best, you're getting rid of the ball. You have to, to make a decision and, and deliver it on time wherever it is that you're going. He's getting flushed out to a point where it's almost like he's being drilled on that all the time. And it's probably because, well, he is. He's, he's yeah. taking on pressure on a, a, a per-throw basis. Rarely is he sitting in the pocket and delivering down the field. But he's not looking to run either. He's, he's escaping to escape. He's not looking to, to you know, get upfield with the ball, not that that would be you know, a, a bad thing. He's keeping his eyes down the field. My point is the, the play is blown up. They're off schedule uh, within a second of every snap when they're passing. Um, he can't take five and seven step drops. There's not enough time for him to be able to be to do even that. He has to escape earlier than that. So um, it, it's hard to evaluate his uh, development. I, I will say this: over the first two games, uh, his his inaccuracy was really concerning. Uh, he missed a lot of throws that, frankly, he should have been able to hit. I don't know if they beat San Francisco once out of ten times, but no. Pickett missed a lot of opportunities. Uh, he left some on the board against Cleveland. I don't know if I saw as many uh, against Las Vegas. Um, he didn't seem to have to do as much. There was still a bunch of pressure on him, um, took a couple big hits. That's going to happen, but he, he delivered a competitive ball down the field far more often uh, in this game than he did the previous two. So, that development is okay. I just I don't know how much of this is a part of the game plan, and with that, you're going to not get away with that for very long. Eventually, they're going to figure out where you're going uh, when you're pressured, and they're going to load up over to that side. It's going to make it a lot harder for you to avoid sacks and avoid takeaways. And to me, it kind of seems like one of those games that's coming up just based on what we've seen um, 
he, he still needs to get a lot better. There's no doubt yeah. about that. He's not quite what we thought he was going to be. Uh, but a solid game last week. We we can't mm-hmm. really complain a whole lot about it. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. But a, a solid game, a step in the right direction. Yeah, you referenced the Texans game. That will be coming up. They're coming off the win over Jacksonville. And C.J. Stroud played very, very well. Uh, you would normally think before any season that the Steelers are the prohibitive favorite over the Texans. But the way the two teams are playing right now, I think it's a way closer game than people realize. What are your thoughts? I, I agree with that a thousand percent. This is not a it, Houston's not a team that's going to get worse each week. Um, Demeco Ryan's is a phenomenal coach. Sure and is. Look at look at where they have Stroud already. You know they've they've highlighted the thing that he does the best. He delivers the football on time accurately. Um, they're having him do as much of that as humanly possible. They're not asking him to do more than that. Their scheme defensively looks very much like what they did in San Francisco. Yep. While they don't probably have the horses yet to, to pull the cart that they want there, this isn't going to be an easy team to beat. You can tell that they're into it. You know, Ryan's has them pointed in the right direction. Um, going into their place, I remember, I think it was like 2011 or so, the Steelers were still kind of on top, and Houston was just starting to break out to become, you know, a contender in the AFC. It was early in the season, and the place was absolutely packed. Uh, good good contingent of Steelers fans there, but Texans fans were super into it, super excited. I think that was J.J. Watt's uh, rookie year. Yeah. That, I mean, he, he returned a fumble like 80 yards and outran Ike Taylor down the, the, the mm-hmm. sideline for the score. Just You, you saw what Watt was going to be at that point. I feel some of that in this, in this game with Houston. This is not they're quite not quite at that level, but this is a statement game for them as a very young team very early on. Uh, they have confidence. They're playing well. They're coming off of a pretty solid game uh, for what you can expect for them, and they're going to improve each week. You know, it's it's a really new team. It's a really young team. Um, this this is going to be a battle. I think this is going to be a lot more competitive than than Steelers fans probably want to admit. But I I don't. You know, player for player, I think Pittsburgh is better, but I think Houston's got the emotional advantage right now. Um, we'll see. I, I, I would. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see what the line is offhand. I thought I saw Pittsburgh by by three, but I'd probably take Houston to cover that right now, to be honest. Well, we'll take you to cover anytime, my friend. Thanks so much. Always appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Coulon. Brad Nessler coming up in the next half hour. Brad will join us at 2.45. All right. Great to have Neil on the show. Brad Nessler in the next half hour. Tomorrow, Nate Bauer on Penn State football. And Dave Ennett, the play-by-play voice of Northwestern football, will join us uh, on the show tomorrow. Thursday, our high school football roundtable. Friday is a travel day as uh, Penn State goes to Northwestern to take on uh, the Cats at noon on Saturday. We're on beginning at 10.30 on Eagle 107. And they get back to him. They they practiced, you know, they did their usual uh, work on Sunday night. Corrections, then transition into Northwestern. Plus they had the Dealing scrimmage, the developmental scrimmage 
Yesterday was an off day. Well, today's the day they get they start to really knuckle down on Northwestern, especially today and tomorrow. So let's see what kind of pace and focus they come out with today. It's been a big point of emphasis. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And at sunburymotors.com, you're on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, the end of the year deals. Fabulous warranties. Keep in mind, the warranty part, something, you know, the thousands of miles or years, whatever it happens to be, you can take it in, they'll take care of it. Makes a big difference. And uh, very pre-owned inventory. They have the Summary Motors guarantee because they go over every vehicle on the lot. Eases the buying experience. Terrific service department. Whether it's routine or difficult, they can handle it. So when it comes time to buy your next uh, SMC vehicle, guess what? It's in great shape. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, Brad Nessler coming up in just a few minutes. He's got Auburn, Georgia on the Plains this week. He's got Hugh Freeze and Kirby Smart. He, of course, did the whiteout game on Saturday night. It was absolutely great to see him. And uh, it's great to have the CBS crew back in town. That's uh, this this Fox, CBS, NBC thing. It's great. Uh, there's still a part of me that feels like there should have been a, some sliver of a package somewhere for ESPN because I just feel like as time goes, the I know that they brought game day to Notre Dame, Ohio State, but that was at Notre Dame. I just feel as time goes, they'll be keep mentioning the Big Ten. But they're going to really lock in, especially in the SEC, because they poured so much money into it. And from a business point of view, I understand that. But you look at the at the top ten right now, the top ten is the future of the Big Ten. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, Washington, USC. They're all in the top ten. They're all going to be in the Big Ten next year. That's a big chunk of the country, too. That's a big chunk of the country. Washington and Oregon have about, between the two of them, about 5 million TV homes. California. 
millions of TV homes to go with what the Big Ten has. You're going to be talking next year. Baltimore, Washington, Philadelphia, New York, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison, Minneapolis, Des Moines, Lincoln, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland. And and it is the kind of, in terms of number of people, it's off the charts. And it gives you a variety of time slots to work with. I know I was talking with Tony Petiti, the Big Ten Commissioner. I said, look, I said, this, I said, part of this bails you out in November. So you're sitting there in November. You have to have five night games, four Saturday night games plus Black Friday. And you're sitting there. I said, now you've got Los Angeles. I said, I know it's it's cold up in Seattle and Eugene in November, but not to the extent it is here in November. I said, but it, but those games would be at a 7.30 game, would be at 4.30 there. So you're not playing at night. Yeah, the game will start in the afternoon then transition the night, but in Seattle and Eugene... You're talking about those would be 4.30 starts, not it'd be 7.30 Eastern time starts, but 4.30 locally. I said, they'll make a big difference for them in terms of schedule flexibility. That's on the horizon. And for this year, Penn State's got to lock in on this week's game with Northwestern. Um, and you talked, David Braun talked about, hey, they're aggressive. Makes a lot of different looks. They put stress on you on first and second down, he said. I think David Braun, let's let's give credit where credit's due. He's only been with the staff since January. So that's why he was the choice to take over as the interim head coach. They wanted somebody that had not been there long and was not going to be associated with anything that was accused in the past. And he has come in and you want and just in I've never I've never met him, but uh, you I'm watching his demeanor on the sideline from the other night. And like, you know, they they're in a the tough game, they're coming back, the whole dude really is just a very calm, cool at least outwardly. I mean, who knows inside it may be churning beyond belief, but outwardly you kind of gave that calm, cool, collected facade, and they came back and they won the game. They had one drive that took like that, and they, Kurtz had caught a couple of passes on the drive. In fact, the last two passes of the night he caught, and they blazed downfield in, like, also in a blink, and suddenly it was went from 31-17 to 31-24. I thought, um, now I knew, obviously, who won the game because I'm watching the tape, but you're saying to yourself, when you're done watching that sequence, uh, you can see why they're going to win the game because they went down the field so fast and did it in a particular way that you knew they were going to have time at the end. 
which they did. Now, barely enough. They, I think they hit the touchdown pass with one or two seconds to go in regulation because Olsen did have to kick off. But still, credit where credit's due. Give all the credit. That was quite a um, comeback by Northwestern. You're down 31 to 10. You've had everything go against you in the offseason. They found a way to win that game. Brad Nessler is next. Looking forward to talking to the great man in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay, great to have you back on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now to bring in the best in the business. And that is Brad Nestler. It was so great to see you on Saturday night. Great to have you back in town. Hey, man. It was great to see you, too, Steve. And, and thanks for that bang-up job on the whiteout thing in our, our, our pregame show before the game. That was awesome. Uh, well, let's give Blake all the credit. He's, he's the one that, that did all the hard work. But thank you for the uh, <laughs> kind words, okay? The guys uh, loved it in the pregame. That was super. That's great. Uh, let's get to... Um, what you saw, it's, it was a whiteout. You got to see Penn State firsthand. What were your impressions of both as you sat there and watched it play out? Well, um, you know, you're never really sure until you see somebody in person if you think you're that good or, you, you know, you have a feeling that Penn State was good. Um, I was not. So <laughs> right. you got to take that into account, too. And the weather had something to do with it. But let's put it this way. I've seen... Uh, from the beginning of the season, I saw Ohio State first week, Michigan second week, Georgia third week, and Penn State in the fourth week. So I've seen four of the top six teams as far as the top 25 goes. And uh, Penn State, if they played like they did the other night, and any of those other teams even has like their B game and not their A game, Penn State can win them all. Um, you know, I came back and I watched the Falcons on Sunday with buddies of mine. And they had taken in, uh, you know, a lot of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. They saw me do the Michigan game the week before. They always complain about Georgia, so you got to take that into account. <laughs> and so I said, I said, okay, you've kind of seen them all. Um, what do you think? And one of my buddies sitting next to me said, if Georgia plays like they did against UAB, Penn State to kick their ass. So <laughs> I got to I got to go with what my friends say sometimes because I can't see all the games at the same time. Right. I was really I was really impressed, Steve, especially the defense and Andrew. Um, you know, not a lot of big downfield things, but he's got a really nice arm and he is really poised for how young he is. And um, great game by him. Yeah, what uh, what did what was I mean? Look, Gary knows the quarterback position as well as anybody on the planet. What were some of the impressions you got from him about what he thought about Drew Aller and how he plays the game? Well, you know, we got a chance to spend probably half an hour with him on Friday, and so he's impressive just, as you know, uh, better than anybody, as you know, um, just an impressive physical specimen. Um, his personality and everything is perfect. Uh, you know, doesn't really get rattled. I talked to him about it. But you ever nervous? Never. All I want to do is play. I just love football. I don't get nervous. I just want to go out with the guys and play, you know. So that's yeah. a good start. When you're 6'4", 240 pounds, and you've got an arm like he has, that's a good start. <laughs> Gary loved the fact that he got himself in position pretty much every time 
in lousy conditions to make a good throw, you know, get his feet square and his shoulders square and where he was aiming, it was going. And then I think overall just a few of the throws he made, uh, you know, and, and sometimes Gary and I don't talk about it until either after the game and we didn't ride together after the game. So um, we just look at each other and our eyebrows go up. And, and that yeah. means um, there's some arm talent that you don't see every day. So, uh, yeah, we had quite a few <laughs> quite a few of those where we looked at each other and the eyebrows went up. Uh, in doing the SEC for years, you have seen quality across the board, especially defenses that can run. Georgia's defense can run. Alabama's defense has always been able to run. Even Texas A&M LSU. You watched Penn State the other night. Did you see the kind of team speed or the ability to play fast that you see in the SEC? Yeah, for sure. I think the guys are built a little different, though. I, you know, um, you know, Elise and, and um, you know, some of the guys on the inside are SEC-type size guys. And, yeah. and maybe I get thrown off by the numbers that the defenders wear now. I mean, Chop Robinson can play any place, and, and he's going to be playing in the NFL, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah, right. And, and you know, Abdul Carter uh, coming around the corner and off the edge, just super. I mean, all those guys are going to be NFL players, and so if, if they can play in the NFL, they can obviously play in the SEC. But right. I, I know what you're asking. I just think there's still some bulk uh, that I think I saw at Michigan a little bit. I, I thought yep. some of their interior defensive linemen were bigger, and but your guys are probably faster, and and you, that makes that makes up for a lot of it, man. When uh, you have the moves that the Chop does, and and Carter does, and Curtis Jacobs does, and um, you don't have to always be 360 pounds. I mean, Georgia's had a few of those guys, you know, and they're all playing for the Eagles. So, uh, <laughs> or a lot of them are. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit difference, I think, in, in how they're built, but not how they play. I mean, your guys get around uh, quickly, and, and mm-hmm. they're really, really impressive. Uh, I think you've got, what, Georgia-Auburn this week, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how interested are you to see what Auburn looks like with Hugh Freeze in charge? compared to what we were seeing before when you and I were both down there, for example, when Penn State played Auburn with Brian Harson last year. Yeah, it might be it might be back to the future. I'm not quite sure what he's going to do because Peyton Thorne had a terrible game at Texas A&M. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know if they want to – they tried everything. They tried three quarterbacks last week and none of them worked. And, you know, Robbie Ashford at least gave Georgia some fits last year with his running ability. You're right. um, so I think we might see both those guys again. So I'm, I'm not sure we're going to see quite what Hugh wants eventually. Um, they're they're definitely a work in progress, and they didn't make any progress last week. Let's put it that way. But they've had brighter moments in the first three weeks of the season against lesser competition, and they got to hang their hat on that and the fact that they're at home at Jordan Hare because um, it could get ugly early if um, you know they don't play better than they did against St. Ham. What, what's the impression you've had of Carson Beck? I mean, yeah, you had you had George, I think, once this year. So, what's yep. your impression of him? Because Stetson Bennett had been there for a couple, for a long time. It, Carson, you know, he's and he's been there three years, so he knows the system. He knows they're yeah. running the same plays. I think, you know, Kirby Smart's already getting grief about Mike Bobo, but that's that's from the fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you lose Todd Munkin and you win two national championships, and you have yeah. Stetson Bennett running around making plays. Um, you know, everybody starts questioning things right away. Uh, they're running the same plays, and, and they started to work 
you know, last week against UAB because they got Brock Bowers involved. And when he gets involved, um, good things happen. But Carson's a lot more, um, you know, in the drop back, stay in the pocket mold, although he scored a couple touchdowns on the ground already this year. And, and he told me last week I'm more athletic than people give me credit for. And I believed him because he had a really nifty touchdown run against South Carolina. And then he had another short one last week. But um, pocket passer guy, um, you know, not as big as Drew, uh, maybe as maybe as tall as, as Drew Aller, but uh, not nearly as heavy. And and uh, really good arm, good good grasp of the system. I think he's just going to get better every week. I mean, he threw for three thirty eight and three touchdowns with no interceptions last week, um, and he only played three quarters. So, uh, pretty cool dude. And uh, also a confident guy that he admitted that his first game he was nervous. He thought he was going to lose his yeah. cookies on the field before the game. But, uh, <laughs> he, he calmed down in week two and three, and last week probably played his best game. So mm-hmm. he's fine. He's just a little different guy. He doesn't give him quite as many RPO options as Stetson Bennett did. But other than that, uh, they aren't too much different on offense. I mean, obviously you've been around Kirby smart enough to see how he goes about his business. And part of that, of course, is an offshoot of being with Nick Saban. When you're around him and how he approaches a game, a game week, what impresses you about him? Um, Attention to detail, just like Nick, basically, um, prepared for just about everything and um, he'll tell you that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll make a point of it. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. You and I have talked about Kirby before. I always kid around yeah. by Kirby because I, I've been waiting now. Uh, I don't know, ten years. He was defensive coordinator at Alabama, an eighth year in his head coach at Georgia, and I'm still trying to find a question where he doesn't question me back. So <laughs> um, I don't know anything about football compared to Kirby, but no, he's he's just. He's just very detailed. He doesn't miss a, he doesn't miss much. Obviously, he and his staff are great recruiters, and you don't you don't win two championships in a row without having a whole bunch of five star guys that you uh, create into seven star guys by the time they go on to the NFL. Um, they got a lot of talent. And they know how to coach it really well, and I'll give him credit. In a hundred games, he's won eighty five of them. That's the best winning percentage for through a hundred games in SEC history, and that's one better than the guy that mentored him. So when you think about the good coaches in <laughs> the SEC and he's won more through 100 games than anybody else, he's doing something right. Yeah, he's doing a lot right, and so have you, despite the fact that Kirby Smart questions you on every question. <laughs> you're still doing hey, a lot of things right. <laughs> there's a lot of coaches that don't like my questions. I don't care, really. Yeah, at, this, yeah. at this point, um, like uh, Kirk Ferentz said to us last week, and I can't say it on your show, but he talked about you know what's the difference between now and 25 years being the head coach and he said uh right now i want to win but other than that i don't really give a so. yeah i yeah. <laughs> i hear you <laughs> <laughs> oh you are the best it's just great to know that cbs is back with the, with the big 10 that means more trips uh, to see you more ice cream my friend i'll see you next time up there. see you thanks appreciate it you got it steve see you the great Brad Nessler. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to uh, do the pregame open for them. So I actually did that on Monday. I actually did that on Monday night last week. Somebody said, "Hey, they're practicing for the whiteout. The lights were on in the stadium last Monday night." I said, "No, that was actually the 
lights are on for the CBS crew and me. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah. And Blake Burson did a great job. And that whole crew, they were great. Thrilled. I can't say enough about them. All right. Tomorrow, Nate Bauer, 135. Dave Ennett, the play-by-play voice of Northwestern, 206. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.